I vividly remember laying there and watching the technician's face, just her eyes got bigger, and literally her jaw started to drop. And I said, what's going on? She's like, um, I see three embryos. And even as I tell this, I get chills. I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. Imagine you've had an easy natural birth, and when your baby is 12 months old, hearing, surprise, triplets are joining the family, Courtney is here today to share her roller coaster journey of shock, excitement, self determination, and ultimately her peaceful surrender to the surgical birth she never thought she'd have. Uh, my name is Courtney. I have been married for almost nine years now to my husband, Kevin. I grew up in the Fairfield County area of Connecticut. I've been here my whole life, and we met here and have started a family in Fairfield. We were married for just about a year when we decided to try to get pregnant. My sister had been ill, and we really wanted her to have a niece. Um, We tried. It didn't work. So we went to a fertility specialist and started IUI. And I uh, had a couple rounds. I lost my sister in the middle of that. And the month after she passed, we got pregnant with my first daughter. I knew from the beginning that I wanted to have a natural birth. It had a lot to do with losing my sister. It was something that empowered me. I felt I needed to experience every little bit of it in honor of her a little bit, her first niece, and I owed it to myself to do that on my own. So we found Cynthia and went through the hypnobirthing course. It was amazing. I, I There's just... Everything went smoothly. I started with a midwife. That's where I began my pregnancy. Um, Never had any issues. It was a great pregnancy. Um, Carried her full term and went through the labor, employing my hypnobirthing techniques. Um, It was a wonderful birth. I remember just, just fading out and falling almost into a sleep. It was, it was amazing. So... You were pregnant when your sister passed away? I got pregnant the month after she passed. So we had three rounds of IUI. I did uh, January, February. I took March off because I knew she was going to pass, and she did, and went back in April. Can you comment on that? Because there are so many women who lose a loved one when they're pregnant. It's such an unbelievable emotional burden and did you what can you comment on that for the people who have been in that situation yeah I you know I obviously um she was my younger sister by 16 months so we grew up like like twins um I carried so much sadness during my pregnancy but it was my baby that carried me through it you know while I carried her it really gave me purpose when I really might have like things could have been really, really bad. It was the one thing that kind of kept me afloat, I think. Did you ever and feel... then caring for her after she was born just gave me something to to keep my mind occupied and give me purpose in life, you know? 
Did you have any sense of your sister being with you? Always. And I kept, uh, I actually brought an 8 by 10 photo of her to the hospital for my to have in my room, which I learned in hypnobirthing, a photo of something that inspires you. Or, And I kept her by the bed. Yeah. It's no coincidence probably that you got pregnant the month no, after, right? None I mean, whatsoever. I have no doubt right in my mind it was her gift to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really special. Yeah, it was. It was really special. My daughter... Her middle name is Heather in honor of my sister. And yeah, it's just, it was, uh, the timing was not a mistake. I know that the universe was, you know, holding me. So we, uh, perfectly healthy baby, wonderful infancy. I um, had my placenta encapsulated. I I did everything that I could to kind of um, make it the most healthy and empowering like postpartum experience for me as well that was something the encapsulation was I mean the looks the the comments that I got from everyone I know because I think I was the first person in my circle of friends to do even hypnobirthing um and I I I breastfed for a year it was just it was all really wonderful um, for anyone who doesn't know what placental encapsulation is, um, immediately following the birth, your placenta is taken. I had a, a specialist, somebody who that's what they do. Um, they dehydrate the placenta and then um, encapsulate it into pills to take postpartum um, to help with um, depression, uh, like hormonal changes, and also milk supply. Mm-hmm. And there, I had no issues with either. I'd love to believe that it was partly because I did the encapsulation. Mm-hmm. I mean, against what everybody thought of me at the time. My mom was like, I'm sorry, come again? I don't understand what you just said. Yeah. I don't really get what people's hang up with it is. We eat lots of right? exactly. organs. I know. That's what it's, I said. It's just another organ. And around 10 months uh, after she was born, I started to think, okay, well, I'm getting older. I'm 37. And... Uh, we definitely want to have another child, so let's talk to the fertility doctor again. And given my age, the, the, the medicine I used previously typically tends to lose its effectiveness at that age that I was at. So we started me on a different medication. And what do you know, the first round, I was pregnant. And we were so thrilled. It was... Um, it was your not first a, thought was this is all going to be so easy. <sighs> Yay! <laughs> I'll have a perfect pregnancy. Second birth will be so birth. much easier than the first. Yeah, everything's just going to be fabulous. I'm such a pro at this now, um, and things were just a little strange. Some extra bleeding, things like that. So I um, I went in. I said I think that it didn't work. I think that I've you know lost this round. And I went in, we did some blood tests, and I was on my way home, and they called and said, are you home? Are you where? I said, I'm driving. I'm fine. What? You know, they said, well, you're not. You're pregnant, and your levels are very high. So, okay, you know, I get this wash of um, panic over me, like, what's what's going on, you know? So... I went in alone. My husband was at work in the city, um, went in for the ultrasound. And I just, I mean, I vividly remember laying there and watching the technician's face. Just her eyes got bigger. and Literally, her jaw started to drop. And I said, what's going on? She's like, um, I see 
three embryos. And even as I tell this, I get chills. And she slowly and dramatically turns the screen. And I mean, I just lost it. I it went through this what did you crazy do? Um, outpouring of emotion. Like I'm talking hysterically crying into laughing like a lunatic, just kind of like staring off at the wall, like ah, ah, like laughing and then ah, coughing and crying. And, and she's like, get him in here, get him in here. Like all of a sudden the door opens and not just the doctor, but five or six other nurses come in. It's like the whole staff. They came to constrain you. Comes in like um, they didn't know what, Wait, what, did are we, what exactly are we dealing with here, like with this woman and what? Why did they all come in? Well, it doesn't happen often. Were they excited or were they there to clinic. come? In? I think they wanted to see this. There had been only one other woman in the clinic in the history of the clinic who ever had higher order multiples, and that was a putting three in in IVF. So we did IUI. It was almost guaranteed to me that we wouldn't have higher order multiples. So this. Just to be clear, this was your three. This was not a result of IVF. No, IVF. I did this IUI. Was... I did insemination. <laughs> you just dropped three eggs. <laughs> I dropped no. a lot more than that. They Is said. That with that? Yeah. Some of our listeners might be a little bit confused about the conversation we just had about IUI versus IVF. Could you just explain the difference? Yes, IUI stands for intrauterine insemination. So you um, typically take medication to stimulate follicles, and then your husband um, provides the the semen, and you're inseminated with that in the doctor's office, as opposed to IVF, where you um, take different medications and and hope to have eggs that then are inseminated into after they've been fertilized outside of the womb. Which is typically when we see the high-order multiples occur, not under the circumstances of IUI. Right, and had never, never happened in my doctor's practice. It was a shock to everybody. Once again, maybe your sister was involved. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's that's exactly how I feel. (laughs) So between the laughter and the crying, can you Mm. articulate the emotions you were feeling when you heard that news? Terror. I okay. mean, just real, true, raw fear. I just, you know, because the moment you hear that, then in floods the, oh my gosh, the complications, the risks, what can happen, all those sorts of things. Um, and then just, oh my gosh, like I'm that girl. <laughs> I'm going to have triplets. Like I don't, I've never known anybody with triplets. And no one in my town that I grew up in had them. Um and it's funny, then when you when you get pregnant with them, they start coming out of the woodwork. There's three or four sets in the town we live in, and, the, and I never knew that before. But um, yeah, just there's so now there's so much unknown. Another emotion I felt was pure excitement. I mean, actual joy that my body did this, that it happened, and I felt that we were blessed, lucky. That was really you know I didn't I did not ever feel. Why me? How could this happen? Oh no, I can't do this. I really did know in that in those first few minutes that I could do it, that I that I was going to. And I, I mean, I I I didn't start going down the real um, you know life like financial things and all that kind of yet. Um, new it was, car, it was new a, house, everything. triple stroller. Yeah. <laughs> How did he have quad stroller? New friends. <laughs> yeah, you would actually need a quad. Yeah, oh I one. need friends who have lots and lots yeah, of where multiples. Where are you? <laughs> How Anybody did, out there? 
How did your husband respond? So I uh, left, went out to the parking lot and called him. And he's like, hi, hi. You know, I'm like, so where are you? He's on the desk. I said, is there any possible way you could step out and go into a conference room or something? And he's like, what? You know, why? And I'm like, don't worry. It's not. I'm okay and everything's okay. I just have some news to share. And it was a, a, a typical um, crickets situation. I said, so it's triplets. And it was just dead silence on the other end. And his first words were, okay, we've got this. We can do this. And that put my mind at ease, of course. And then I called my mom, and she squealed and screamed and was nothing but excited. So it just was – so then from there on out, that was, okay, this is what we're doing. Did your mind go in that moment or very early on after finding out this news – to the thought of how your birth experience would be different? Absolutely. I knew almost immediately that um, it was, you know, not going to be like the last time. And um, I started to, you know, worry. I, I put my mind at ease early on that whatever it is, it's just what we're going to have to do. I'm older. There's three of them. There are a lot of risks. I just didn't want to put myself in any unnecessary uh, danger or risk by um, insisting on going any certain way. In fact, I spoke to my team of midwives in the very beginning, and they were like, wait, you you want you want to still come to us? What do you – and I insisted that I was going to go to them. In the beginning, they said, okay, almost maybe to – just placate me. We'll see how far we can get. And we did. We made it a couple months. Um, and then they just said, I don't think we can. We're not equipped for this. And they moved me to Yale. So I had a new team of doctors at Yale. Um, I was sat down and urged to, um, very strongly urged to reduce the pregnancy by my doctor by my fertility specialist and by the doctor. I can't I even imagine what that thought does to you today now that you have your <sighs> babies. Yeah, and I think about who it would have been, and oh my God, you know, it's just it's, no. it's terrifying, horrifying but to think of. That was never going to happen. Never. No. I, uh, they how, went through how a list. How did you respond to them? They, put, they sat me down and went through a list. This is what can happen. And it was horrific things, you know, that they said were possible. And I cried the whole time, and I said... I'm going to talk to my husband, but I can tell you right now, we're not doing this. So that's it. So this is like, buckle up because we're doing this, you know, and it's been done before. And that was that. I, I, I always, I did believe, and I think my previous pregnancy had a lot to do with it, that my body can handle this, anything, you know. Oh, man, I never knew what I was in for, but... Um, I knew that I could do it, whatever it, whatever it took, you know. So and, tell us more about that. What was it like? Oh, gosh. So I started out, I, I immediately took to social media um, and found this, the most amazing groups of women pregnant with triplets do in the same month even. They get that um, uh, particular and formed so many great friendships with women all over the country who were also pregnant, and we talked each other through it because nobody knew around me anything about it. And twi- going, twins to triplets, it's just such a such an insane um, difference. It's exponentially more complicated. Absolutely. And risky, yeah. 
Um, so, you know, the pregnancy was fine. I just, it was, it was, it became um, physically difficult very fast. Uh, I got so big, so much pelvic pain. I couldn't sleep and, you know, sit laying down really. Um, I had to have a seat in the shower to sit on because I couldn't stand for so long. I could barely get my arms above my head. My mother moved up from Florida and moved in with me so she could pick the baby up out of her crib because I couldn't pick her up anymore. Um, right, you had your baby all the time. Yeah, yeah. So she was a. How old was she? She was a, a little over a year. And she was 19 months when they were born. Okay, yeah. so around a year when you were pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, quickly got just very physically difficult. I started really not to leave the house. Yeah, it was the fact they were um, three separate uh, sacs and three separate placentas. So the weight of that. But then that also is safer because they all have their own nutrition, right? They're not, we're not going to have to deal with the fighting over the placentas and everything like that. Well, then we got to the point where we found out they were all transverse. So the bottom guy, Oliver, was basically hammocking them in his little bottom in my cervix, like holding them in. And that's another visual that I always kind of cling to, that he held them in. Um, I had preterm labor at 27 weeks, rushed to Yale in an ambulance, flying up the side of the highway, sirens on. And um, they, I stayed in the hospital overnight, and I remember them coming in and saying, you might not leave. You could be here until you have these babies. And I was, I mean, no way. You know, my daughter was so little, and I just couldn't fathom. Well, lucky for me, the every 10-minute contractions I was having weren't doing anything. My cervix wasn't changing. So that was that. That was my norm. Moving forward from 27 weeks, I had contractions every 10 minutes, 24 hours a day. It was they totally never nuts. went away? No, never went away. Just, you know. So just to be clear here for women, you felt the tightening sensation of surges, but you didn't feel a lot of discomfort associated with it every 10 minutes. You were able to sleep, but it was this constant reminder, this constant sensation your body is carrying these babies and preparing to birth them at some point in the coming weeks. That's exactly what it was. So I almost had to get used to it. But then I, in the back of my mind, wait, am I going to know when I'm actually going into real labor since I'm in basically fake labor all the time? Um, in reality, your, your uterus was actually just doing what it needed to do, mm-hmm, toning, to, yeah. to yep, strengthen strengthening. and tone. And it just happened earlier. And because you were carrying triplets, mm-hmm. it was more concerning because, of course, the risk of preterm labor is exactly. much greater. But yeah. that's a lot of weeks to Yeah, so, to you know, that it's, the, it's that um, the checking off every, what was it, Thursday. Okay, we made it another week. Okay, the babies, you know, they, they have this now. They have that now. I got um, steroid shots twice for their lungs. And things were just kind of plugging along. Yale doesn't believe in actual prescribed um, bed rest, but I put myself on kind of self-imposed bed rest because it was really the only thing I could do was just lay there and sit there and try to do as as much as I could, but wasn't a whole lot really towards the uh, second half of the pregnancy. I remember early in my pregnancy talking with my midwives about how this was going to go. Do people have natural births with triplets? And, 
Yes, the answer was yes, but it's it's a significantly more complicated prepare yourself for a c-section and i i did i i did not want to put my babies in any risk and that fear was a little bit overriding at the time so when i moved my um my care to yale that was really set that that was the way it was going to be. They scheduled my C-section for my actual due date, 40 weeks. And I remember not gonna happen. laughing, thinking, okay. I like their optimistic thinking. <laughs> yeah. When I um, moved my care up to Yale, I remember asking them, them at Yale, it's very different, right? You can chat with midwives about the possibility of a natural birth with triplets, and then you speak to the doctors at a large hospital about it. and. They, they laughed at me, actually, um, like, ha, 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 let's be realistic. So what in that moment yeah. when they laughed at you, what did you feel? So my per- I was a little frustrated, a little kind of wanted to flex my muscles and say, wait, what are you talking about? Like, this is my choice. You want to be taken seriously. Absolutely. At least have a respectful conversation about my options. Um <laughs> Not well, to say that I felt ignored, or but definitely told rather firmly that it's really not not going to be an option. And then as the babies grew and were all transverse on top of each other, I resigned to this is the way it's going to be. And now I need to mentally prepare for that. Did they remain was, transverse through the whole pregnancy? The whole pregnancy. So vaginal birth yeah, would, would not, not have been have, an option. Yeah. Courtney, I'll never forget that you took a hypnobirthing refresher class. And when the women went around the room talking about their lovely first births, and you were one of them, and they were all pregnant with baby number two, and you told them you were having triplets. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was certainly noteworthy in my work that you knew you made a rational decision to have a cesarean section given the circumstances, you still came to regroup and to tap back into what you learned in hypnobirthing that served you in your first birth that was natural. What was it that you came for that you knew you could take into a surgical birth? The only thing really I felt that I could control was my mental, my approach to it inside my own um, inside my own head, so employing the, the breathing techniques and visualization techniques that I learned would help me significantly in, in entering into this experience with a level head, I think, is what the way that I saw it. Whatever I, whatever I can do to help this be calmer and more peaceful, the breathing is what the breathing techniques were what really worked for me, and the visualization were what really worked for me in my um, pre, in my first pregnancy. So I wanted to to remind myself that I had that tool to use um, rather than just kind of flying into this with no idea what was going to happen and no control over my my emotions and my my mind. I think I knew in the back of my mind from the beginning that it was it would most likely be the, a very clinical um, pregnancy and then would result in a C-section. So I was calmer than I expected myself to be. I was afraid of the complications, of the pain, of all those you know things that come along with major surgery, which I had never had. And you know, how am I going to recover from that? How am I going to handle 
the, the stark um, contrast to what I went through before. And at 33 weeks, 33 and a half, I, uh, I called the doctors and I just said, I don't know, I, I just feel kind of like maybe it's time for me to get checked to get a new baseline figure out where we are, where my cervix is, what's going on. So it was about a 3.30, 4 o'clock on a you know, Wednesday afternoon. And my mom drove me up. And I went in. And the doctor said, OK, I'm just going to do a quick check. And he said, um, you don't feel anything? And I said, no. And he said, well, you're seven centimeters dilated. You're in labor. And I was like, oh, God. It's happening. He's How like, many You're weeks not was going this? Home. Thirty-three was... and a half. So he said, Seven "Call your husband. It's not a rush, but he needs to get here as soon as he can because um, you're not going home. You're having these babies today." And those were his words. So um, he said, uh, "I'll be back in an hour to check you. In the meantime, try to get your husband here." And then it was rush hour, right? Coming from Stanford to New Haven. Um, so he came back an hour later and. Boom. I was eight centimeters. Um, just this is it. So he said, you're redlined. You're moving ahead of everybody else into the OR. This is it, it's happening now. My husband was not there. I went, Were was, you at this point feeling your labor? No, I walked into the OR. I'm not feeling anything. And they were so freaked out by me. <laughs> I don't I, I felt nothing. It happened so fast. I, you know, I just, it hit me all, all at once. Thank goodness I had my mother there. She was so calming for me and so supportive. Yeah, like, it was like, him. okay, I heard, um, where's the husband? Because we've got to do this. Down to Birth is sponsored by Postpartum Soothe. Recovering from a vaginal birth takes many women by surprise. Everyday activities like sitting, walking, and going to the bathroom can be uncomfortable. And Postpartum Soothe is just the remedy to support your healing and relieve discomfort. Postpartum Soothe is a 100% organic herbal blend that's applied to maternity pads in the days immediately following your birth, giving you all the benefits of a sitz bath 24-7. That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Postpartum Soothe can be prepared anytime during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com. That's postpartumsoothe, S-O-O-T-H-E dot com. And use promo code down to birth. So here you are, eight centimeters in labor, not even really aware that you're in labor. Suddenly you're scheduled for the very next person to go into the operating room. Your husband's not there. Tell us what happened. It was so bizarre. Um, I was quickly, quickly progressing. So walked in, and they prepped me. I, I kept looking and looking. Where's my husband? Where's my husband? Um, my mother was there standing next to me. She had her scrubs on and the mask on. And it was kind of, I was, I was almost ready for her to be the one that was going to be there. She was definitely ready to be the one that was there. And I remember hearing um, one, of the, one of the doctors say, uh, where is the husband? Because we we've got to we got to get going with this. And in that exact moment, the doors flew open, and my husband came flying in. Um, and it was it happened. They they started the incision immediately. I had to be prepped by having my spinal um, done. And the first try, they hit a nerve, which was painful and terrifying. 
it, it knocked me off my balance there a little bit. And then you know, the second try worked and boom, I couldn't feel any part of my body. Uh, it, I mean, it just happened. As soon as my husband entered the room, they cut me and that was it. And it went very, very, very quickly. Uh, and then um, they were out. I, um, I saw, I did not see my first child when he was taken out. He had a little cough, a uh, little, some, made some noises and they were concerned about his lungs. So they took him and intubated him immediately. Mm-hmm. And I never got to see him and right when he came out. And then my daughter came out and, and my second son. And they held them up to me and got I got to, you know, touch my face to them. But I was so concerned about my first. It would be standard procedure in a premature baby to do that if they're having breathing trouble. Yeah. But, you know, almost immediately realized he was okay. So extubated him and he was fine he was going to be fine they were all taken to the NICU put in their little incubators what was that like to see them what was that like oh my gosh so they were born five one four six four one so not the tiniest babies pretty good size um and but you know you never you're never prepared for what that looks like four pounds one ounce baby with the ng tube the nasogastric tube um, and all the, you know, the monitors and everything. Um, you're never prepared for that. And then times three, it's very overwhelming, you know. But um, What were you feeling? Well, sadness a little bit that I couldn't hold them. Um, and But relief that they were okay, you know. I just, knowing that everything was okay, everybody was out, and now we're moving into the next phase of all of this. But no no major issues. I was just so relieved and overwhelmed with, I think, gratitude that I made it and they were okay because so much could have gone wrong and nothing did, you know? So we were just so, so thankful for that. But, you know, now we've got three babies. <laughs> so how long, to... how long were they in the hospital? Uh, my first um, came home at 11 days. The next came home at 12 and then my little girl stayed for 23 because she would have heart rate drops where if it drops below, all the alarms sound, everybody rushes in, and then they buy themselves another week in the NICU. But I was almost grateful for the spacing out of it because it just would have been maybe a more, little too overwhelming to bring three home at the same time. But it certainly wasn't easy shuttling milk back and forth from Fairfield to New Haven every day. You were breastfeeding? I was pumping. They were too small to... You were pumping? To see their little faces next to my breast. It was just physically impossible for them. Was the, Were they only on breast milk? For the first couple weeks. So you were just pumping and pumping? Yeah, pumping and pumping. I remember sitting in our living room, and I had the pump, and my little daughter came up and wanted to do something, and, and she goes, Mommy, pump. And walked away, and oh. I just remember thinking, "Oh gosh, I don't know how much so longer sweet. I can do this." That is so sweet. And so, at two weeks, I kind of was Touching. like, "All right, their their demands are they're growing fast, and my supply is just not not growing with it, and I don't think we can handle this." So we moved them to formula, and everybody was fine. You know, it took to it, and yeah. Three babies. I mean, I mastered the art of sitting with all of them, one in each crook of my knee and one in my arm and 
feeding three at a time, balancing with an elbow and balancing with my chin and holding another bottle. And there's a lot you, of you actually tried to feed all three of them at the same time. You I did. would try. Yeah, there was t- there were times when I would be home alone during the day and. When, when they're hungry and you, three babies crying at once is, I mean, enough to send you over the edge. The and s- did sweat. They, I can <laughs> the imagine. Stress. Yeah. Did they all kind of naturally just be on the same feeding schedule? I was pretty militant about trying to form a schedule in, the, in early on. That was one thing I learned from every triplet mom that I spoke to was it will save your life to get them at least close to each other and feeding and, and sleeping. So yeah, we were on a, a eating every hour and a half in the beginning, and it was just you know craziness. I remember prepping bottles in the morning, and I took a picture and sent it to my friends. Like, okay, well we're ready for the day. There's 20 bottles sitting there all lined up, and um, yeah, it just really was. You're in full autopilot mode. Um, we were so blessed to have a night nurse. I was just about to ask who was helping you in the first few weeks, and who was helping you in the and then the first year. Who my was there? mom, my mother helped me in during the day, and we were so lucky to be gifted a night nurse who came every night so that I could sleep. Um, but I really I took on most of it myself. Um, the daytimes I just wanted to know that I could do it. I wanted to be the one that like put this system in motion and this was my you know my way of doing things and so I set the schedule and was with them most of the day my my daughter went to school around the corner so we would walk her um, for the few hours that she'd be gone and yeah but really you know didn't leave the house much because three car seats three baby we had to load them through the back of the suburban through the hatchback (laughs) over the seat because we couldn't fit everybody in it was just it was nuts the things that you don't realize that you're gonna have to do and like I said like I mentioned before the the quad stroller you know (laughs) it's like a golf cart without a motor basically um just lots of getting used to it not lots of new equipment yeah I think life life is just about eating and sleeping you know my my son had um, it took a little longer for his suck, swallow, breathe reflex. So we would go, and it's it's crazy to think about now how normal it was. But now to me, it's so terrifying. He would forget to breathe while he was eating and turn gray. His little arms would fall out to the sides, and we'd have to tap his cheeks, and he'd kind of come back, like would stop breathing. Can we talk about that because breathing is involuntary? So what's the explanation for that? They can't, they don't have to remember. So his reflex wasn't developed. Wasn't developed. It wasn't like locked in in his brain yet. Yeah. And it's these three things that all happen um, in conjunction. But up until that point, they, it doesn't happen for them and they forget, right? They can't. Yeah. How long was it before that kicked in? Uh, a couple of weeks. Wow. Yeah. And it didn't happen when he was sleeping. You didn't have to have that anxiety. It no, was just something to deal with when he was eating. A lot of the reason we had the night nurse to keep an eye, a watch on them all the time um, while they were sleeping too. Um, but yeah, no, that's when they send you home, they know they don't have to be on the alarms anymore. But it's the it's the when they, have, when they add in the swallowing and the sucking, it becomes a lot for their little bodies and brains to handle and they don't know how to yet. Yeah, So we had that a lot with my little Oliver. He gave us a run for our money in the beginning with that, which was scary. But then you're like, oh, look, it's happening again. Wake up, Ollie, you know, but he's really just, he's not breathing, you know, but 
you get used to it. It's just one of those crazy things that becomes normal to you when you tell somebody else. They're like, what? They're terrified. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how your idea of normal changes. It's amazing how adaptable we are as human Absolutely. beings. There's a part of our survival mechanism. We are so highly adaptable. Yeah, it's fascinating and it's really um, empowering. I really was quite proud of myself, you know, coming out of this whole experience at what I was able to adapt to, what I was, what, what became normal and manageable for me. What do you think when you hear people say things like that? Well, you got through it. What do you feel? Right. What do you think? And it must be so much easier now because they're they're older. Oh gosh, no, I wish. Um, no, right, just because I'm alive. Um, I don't think the name of the game is to just br be able to still be breathing on the other end, right? You want to learn, you want to be comfortable, you want to feel safe and and like you, that you know you're capable of doing this, but that you're loved and supported and when you feel scared and lost that there are people out there for you. Um, to help you through. And it, like I, I said, I mean, no matter what people say or that they're there, you never quite can understand that feeling that, well, I guess that I had or any mother of the, in a situation like this would have of, of, you know, fear of feeling just just a little alone, no matter what, right? Everyone's a mother, but oh my goodness, I don't know, can I do this? Am I going to, am I going to be able to raise these kids? You know, it's a, it's a little daunting and isolating at times um that was I mean that's why I said like I really leaned on that Facebook groups like I never thought I would you know my friends would be like who are these people I'm like they just have something that nobody else has that I know in person no, nobody understands it like they do you know like they became your people they were my people absolutely and I stay in touch with some of them still and meet at concerts now and we all laugh about how crazy our lives are, um, but yeah. You have to feel like your community is in it with you. No matter how supportive a partner might be, even for women who have one baby, no matter how supportive, they have to have other moms. And for a single mom, and we've had single moms in our support group, you know what their feeling is. They don't understand because they have some partner. It doesn't matter if he works 12 or 14 hours a day. They have some other body in their life to make decisions with them, to support them, to be there on the weekends maybe. And for you, of course, it's like you could be with other postpartum women and think, I'm sorry, you don't have three. <laughs> yeah, and you don't, don't want to feel that way, but you do, it's, you know? It's, it's like You don't want to be it's the person, fair. oh, listen, you'll never get it. But No, but that, you, that, is, that is reasonable to feel that yeah. way. That it's is reasonable. True. It is yeah. true. It is yeah. true, and it's fair, and it's reasonable, and it is secure for you to be able to talk to someone who doesn't just have empathy, but who is in it with you. Mm -hmm. You can't convey that to someone who's not in it. As empathetic as we are right now, you know if we had triplets, we'd be like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know it. Yeah. yeah. That was why I tried to maintain that humor to everything. This, um, like, I'm just keeping my head above water, kind of laughing at myself persona on social media. Just like, this is insane. And if people can see it and laugh with me about it, maybe, like, that gave me some levity to the whole situation that – I needed at the time. I couldn't just wallow in this like I'm drowning kind of thing. I had to be like, what happened? How did this happen? Who am I? Who does this? What is this? <laughs> but yeah, that's what kind of helped me through too. What was your husband's experience of it like? 
I mean, he's an only child, never had any other babies or anything in his family. I don't know, honestly, if he had held a baby before we had our kids. And, you know, the first pregnancy, he's he's an amazing father. But like we were saying, I mean, nobody's prepared for like three tiny little babies all at once staring at you. Um, so he's so supportive, though. I mean, in, in every way, did everything right in there, feeding and changing and the whole deal, you know, not afraid. But again, you're still like, hey, you don't quite get what I'm feeling over here. And, you know, even your language of saying he was so supportive. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you hear it. He was supportive of what? His own children? Yes, right? Exactly. This is how we talk. Yeah. This is how oh, we dad's say. babysitting today. Oh, my, my husband is so great. He'll hold the baby whenever <laughs> I ask. It's like, what? That's, he actually it's feeds not, them. It's not for him to be supportive. It, your mother was the supportive one, right? Yeah. She didn't have to do any of that. But you and your husband, consciously or even, even inadvertently for some people, Get these children together. Yeah. It's not for yeah. him to support you any more than it is for you to support him. <laughs> and yes, that's Absolutely. that has to happen. That meant that that language is so pervasive too. I because know. it's just that we are we have a whole, a whole daddy daycare. We feel term like the default parent. We just mm-hmm. feel like the default parent. And that is usually how it works out. Yeah. And that's what that's the hardest part of it. Courtney, what are you most proud of? Thinking back and be honest. Be be willing to be proud. What are you proud of? What did you do right? I'm proud that I embraced the the craziness, the fear of, of these of this pregnancy, especially. I I knew that I, I I felt empowered. I'm proud that I knew I could do it. That I never really was fully overwhelmed with a fear like there's no way I can do this. I always knew in the back of my mind that I was chosen for this, that there's a reason that I'm gonna be a mom to these kids. Um and that they're happy, well-adjusted, funny, healthy little people who love life. There's something really gratifying about that. And also, you know, it's me. It's because I'm their mom, you know. And their dad is, you know, we, we've got these amazing children in, in the face of everything that we dealt with. Here we are. And, and, and it ain't easy still, you know. Um, but... I'm really proud that I did this, that I that I that I'm happy through it, that I feel that I feel happy, that I feel, you know, rewarded and not I haven't gotten lost in sadness or feeling isolated in this type of a situation. And what about the decision when you were speaking with that doctor and he told you that you should eliminate one of these babies and I'm sure you are so proud of yourself absolutely for that decision I am I never let them you know essentially bully me into a a huge life-changing decision I just stuck to knowing that I I was that I was that I could do it that there was a reason that I was here and I'm gonna do this and no doctor or you know white coat can tell me otherwise that trying to instill some sort of fear that I wasn't going to allow to be put on me. What advice do you have for women who discover they have higher order multiples coming? Immediately build a network, a support network of, you know, online, you know, um, in your community. I remember having other women reach out to me from the the area who had just found out that they were having triplets. And um, 
just always promising to them that I would be there if they needed anything, you know? Don't be afraid to ask for help. That's just so important. So on that note, because so many people, I'm sure so many people said to you, let me know if you need anything. Mm-hmm. And for all of us who sincerely feel that way, um, let's say the mom isn't inclined to really ask because that is most of us. So tell, tell us, what does she really need? If she's not going to ask and you really want to help, what does she really need? Can I come over for an hour and hold the babies, feed the babies, change the diapers an hour or two hours so that you can go lay down by yourself? That was, for me, huge to have somebody come over just so that I could step out of the room and then, you know, you lay down and all you can think about is and you hear them and you can't relax. But it's just it's it's amazing what that does for you. Just one hour. And then when I could leave the house, oh, my goodness, I remember that first car ride that I took. I mean, I blasted the music and I put the windows down and it was like I, I'd never felt this like freedom that and it was just like you mean the first car ride without them without them oh I thought you meant yeah. with them no 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 <laughs> for a what music were you blasting <laughs> I turned up the rap music this is how and, mommy rolls kids <laughs> no alone I vividly remember that feeling of oh, yeah. being like, just tearing out of there like oh my gosh like then what did I do I went like probably to get a coffee right or to but it was shop. just yeah <laughs> but or buy formula or something but it was uh oh man it's just it's it's I think it's that's what um we always used to talk about in our groups don't say let me know if I can do anything say well also you learn how to say okay here's what you can do you can bring me a coffee you can come over and and you know help me feed helping feed is just such a huge it's su- it's such a help so it to be specific maybe yes just to be specific, specific in your things. needs mm-hmm. like yeah I think mm-hmm. a nice thing to do would be to say to that friend the mom of triplets to say I'm coming over at some point today I'm on call text me when it's a good time I'm going to come and keep you company I'm mm-hmm. going to come hang out for a little bit because scheduling is so difficult you don't know when they're awake asleep but just to have company coming over right it's just people to talk to what would that be like yeah it's it was amazing I mean just to have adults to talk to you know to have friends come over I gotta say like even to see a friend walk through the door and the expression on their face when they see really what's happening here behind these closed doors it meant a lot to to see that they were rec- now recognizing what it all is what it means like they're cute they're great like the pictures they're so adorable but that's not it's not so cute all the time you know and to have people really be able to see that and acknowledge you and say oh wow now I get it means a lot would you do anything differently I don't I really at at this moment I can't think of anything I would have changed about it you know I'm so happy about how it all went as crazy as it was and scary and you know would I have loved to have them naturally as some women I met did yeah but you know couldn't so that's it you know you just it's the way it goes you, you had know? them the smartest safest mm-hmm. way given that it was triplets and they were transverse there yeah. if, if you can't feel peace with that birth mm-hmm. I can't you obviously do mm-hmm. um I but had that, so much that is, help. we have to keep the big picture in mind, right? Mm-hmm. A safe Absolutely. and satisfying birth. And that you important. still had that. You still had a safe and satisfying birth. Mm-hmm. These are the situations where we are so grateful and thankful for our modern medical availability yeah. and technology. Yeah. We needed that birth. Mm-hmm. It was the right thing for me. 
If you enjoyed our podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share a favorite episode or two. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Down to Birth Show or contact us and review show notes at downtoverseshow.com. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtoverseshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. I, uh, I went to the new mom's baby group at my pediatrician's office just to kind of show them like this is happening you know like, how easy they had it, it was so crazy walking in with three bucket seats on my arms and the whole I deal dare any of you to yeah. complain <laughs> yes, absolutely in the middle of the night when you're feeling sorry for yourself oh you're tired think of me no, um, um but uh do you have a dog we do. We you have a do. Bernice Mountain dog. Yeah. You have a huge dog. A hundred pounder. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> She's eight. She's my first baby. You had her all this time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't big, big dog who you, really stepped back. You didn't even the, mention that because it pales oh in my comparison. Gosh, like, well, I totally, yeah. She was so good. She really, like, she did. She stepped back and, like, didn't, never ask for anything. You can walk me Thursday. <laughs> yes, do you I'll have hold a fence, it for a day. A fenced-in yard? You just, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, thank God. That was always the, the must.